Hello, everyone. Welcome into another episode of Kentucky Daily, a daily podcast covering your University of Kentucky Wildcats. I'm Sean Smith, joined by Derek Terry. Uh, Derek, our favorite episode of the week, Mailbag Friday. Yeah, it's back again. Uh, looking forward. Uh, I'm not sure how many questions we got today, but for the ones that we did get, looking forward to uh, answering the questions and connecting a little bit with uh, with our listeners. Yeah, and uh, can't wait to connect with our listeners someday at the Butcher's Pub, two locations. Right now, one in Pondville, Kentucky, one in Williamsburg, Kentucky, and the third one arriving in London, Kentucky, uh, just a few weeks from now, uh, sometime in March. So that March is here after this weekend, Derek. So then we'll uh, have three Butcher's Pub locations to mention on Kentucky Daily. You can visit thebutcherspub.com, or you can check them out on Facebook. But let's go ahead and jump right into the mailbag. Uh, it's not going to be the typical hour-long mailbag episode today. The mailbag's not as full. I put it out late last night. But let's start with Brandon. Since we can't play Texas A&M, can we play another SEC team we have only played once? And in parentheses, you have to try for better seating. Uh, I mean, that'd be fantastic, right? Like if you could play Vandy a third time, possibly, or play someone else to try to improve your seating. But uh, no, I, honestly, Derek, if they're going to add anything, and I don't really see where it fits when you look at the schedule – but if they're going to add anything, you can kind of just go ahead and assume it's probably going to be Detroit if they play anyone, right? I think that was a thought before, but now at Detroit's, they actually just won their first conference tournament game last night. So That's the other thing, yeah. Yeah, I would guess they're off the table at this point. But, yeah, I don't – the SEC, I mean, I don't know if you can hear my cat in the background, but they're wild today. Uh, <laughs> no, um, with the – yeah, you just can't. I mean, the SEC sent out who's going to be able to play. I mean, it's tough to lose the A&M game because in this league, that was about as sure of a win as UK would be able to get. I mean, they've should not that played. Go as a, should that go as a forfeit at this at this point if you can't make it up? I don't know. I mean, A&M's not played, and it'll be over a month. I mean, they might not play again until Nashville if they can even play then. So it's tough because that would have been – you know, I was trying to think about last night if they could get to enough games where they could actually have a chance to finish above 500. And even then, I don't think they'd have the resume to get into the tournament by any means. But if they can add another non-conference game, that would be interesting to see who they would add and when they would play it. Because as of now, I mean, it is still good, though, that at 8-13, and they do have three games left. We know for sure they'll play South Carolina on the 6th. Of course, they play Florida tomorrow. And then um, Ole Miss, is it Tuesday or Wednesday? I'm not sure. Midweek Tuesday. next week. Tuesday. Tuesday so. I think that's the second, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, yes. yep, that's right. Yep. So, yeah, they, I mean, obviously they would love to get that game. But, no, I don't, I don't believe that's going to be a possibility. They got they got a chance here to to close the season on a six game winning streak. Yeah, I mean, a, a real a really good chance, and then uh, put together make some noise in Nashville. Uh, it'd be nice if they could play A and M because, like you said, that's probably that's pretty much as surefire win in SEC plays like you can get. You you mentioned that a moment ago, and I I agree one hundred ten percent with that. And it's crazy to think that they have not played since January thirtieth. That the way and it's not is is it the way they've handled protocol? I don't know. It's different for each team. We don't know the decisions and the things that have gone in gone into play that's factored into that. But to be, I mean, we're talking about an entire month, an entire month of not playing college basketball. I mean, I'm starting to think, what's the point in even them? What's the point in them even going to Nashville? There's not one really. I mean, they're going to play. What was I think that their record was not good in league play. I think they're one of the worst teams in the league. Is, is that where you throw? Is that where you come in and you put the hole that that, that this is probably this whole year is going to have an asterisk by it? 
And it's kind of just to throw out here. I mean, what do you do with, with A&M? I mean, Buzz Williams is a guy who trying to build that program and stuff there. And you can't hold this year against him at any by any means, right? In some ways, I, I would certainly agree that it is kind of a throwaway year. But I don't want to take away from the teams like Gonzaga and Baylor Absolutely. that are having terrific seasons and seasons that, I mean, for Gonzaga, they've had maybe not to this extent, but, of course, they've had a lot of good years, whereas Baylor, same deal. Yeah. I mean, Baylor has been a solid program under um, – Scott Drew, but the Baylor's a team that's probably still upset about last year because that's a team that probably yeah. had a shot at winning the title last year. They are still undefeated, right? Baylor, they are. Still, yeah. yeah. So I mean, you got two teams at the top that are undefeated. Michigan seventeen and one. So yeah, like in that regard, I don't want to take away from those teams, but we do have to. I mean, you have to recognize that. I mean, I look at Louisville losing by forty something points to North Carolina in a normal year. Whenever you've played a full season, like that's probably not going to happen. <laughs> like Louisville hadn't played in three weeks before that happened, so that's tough. Um, in that regard, I mean, there's certainly going to be some things that have to be pointed out. I mean, Kentucky, you know, didn't play its full schedule. They lost some games. Uh, I guess as of if it doesn't get made up, they lost what three? A and M, Texas, and uh, Detroit. They don't say. I mean, I don't think they're going to be able to play Detroit. Maybe they can fill in a game for Detroit, but. Yeah, I mean, I, it's Maybe. tricky. I mean, I think UK, I think you can certainly, if you're a UK fan, you can throw that away. I mean, if they come back next year and have a good year, you can maybe chalk it up to some more COVID stuff. But I'll, I'll be curious, though, Sean, because, like, football didn't really stop coaches from still getting canned, whereas I don't know how college no. basketball, how how they're going to handle it. And uh, Brandon also has a, another question. Is Kentucky the leader for Brandon Podzimski? That's a that's a recruitment, Derek. That he he's I think he yesterday was when he released his top five. Kentucky was among those five schools. Kentucky's clearly the the best you know program in those five. If I'm not mistaken, right? Was Illinois in there? Uh, Illinois, Miami, Wake Forest, and Vanderbilt were the yeah. others. Kentucky's clearly like Kentucky's kind of the outlier when you look at the four programs that have offered him, and. Now that you kind of see that Kills is trending to Duke and Salas is trending to Gonzaga and uh, Jaden Hardy to the G League, you you don't really know. But I'm start. I think if that's a kid Kentucky wants, it's a kid Kentucky gets. So I, I don't want to say they're the favorite because I think it's something that Kentucky has to full on pursue themselves. I would agree with that, and I don't claim to have any inside knowledge on this recruitment, but I, I have talked to a few people who certainly know way more than I do. I guess the way I would phrase it, my understanding was that, yeah, at this point, I don't think Kentucky is pressing super hard mm. to get him. Like I wouldn't, as of today, I wouldn't project him to end up at Kentucky. I would think he'll end up somewhere else because I definitely think he's down a little bit on the UK's list. But there aren't a ton of guys, though. I mean, really, that are that are left. Like like you just mentioned, Hardy and Salish are pretty much no goes. I would say at this point, kills. I think they're still fighting an uphill battle just because they got in it so late. Maybe if they explore the transfer market and Podzimski's still available and maybe that doesn't go their way, they look to add somebody. But, yeah, I would say um, well, no, I would say radar. Kentucky's not the leader. Yeah, he's on the radar, but they're not – I don't think – I agree with you that I think if they went all in, I think they could get him. But as of now, they've not shown any indication that that's what they're going to well, do. Well, you and I talked about it in the fall when he you know, first emerged as a target, a possible target there. We were talking about that would he be the next commitment? I mean that's because you know the the obviously the connection Wisconsin Tower Hero playing for for that club team that AAU team, uh, but that's why I think that this kind of feels like it's something Kentucky's not pursuing as strongly because it probably they probably had a chance to get him in the fall if they really really had pushed for it. 
That was interesting too that Kansas wasn't on his list. It was. I, guess, I mean, that was a team that's, that. That's why I kind of hesitated because I I wanted to make sure that I didn't miss that because that was one of the schools yeah. uh, there. But next question, uh, th- this is a big topic too. Uh, KSR keeps saying that Cameron Fletcher most likely to transfer, and you know that's coming. I've mentioned it on sources say, and stuff. Jack's mentioned it. A, a lot of people have. If he was going to transfer, why would he still be here after being sent home? Does it make sense for him to leave now if he hasn't already? Thoughts? And and I'm not saying that Cameron Fletcher is a for sure transfer. Just reading the situation, looking at the roster, looking at the position that he plays, there's going to be a ton of bodies there. Derek. But here's why I think that even if he does decide to transfer, that it was important for him to come back. It's it's a really positive look for the kid. He got to you know he gets thrown under the bus in December. It's on national TV. Seen crying. Cal sends him home. It's it's not a good look if he leaves the program and doesn't come back and put on, not really put on, but to show that you know that he's got it, got it figured out. I, I think it's more of a Honestly, a move for him, whether he stays at Kentucky, it's a positive look, or whether another school, if he does decide to enter the portal, that wants to take a look and say, okay, this kid handled adversity well. He went back, finished the year out, didn't quit the team. Uh, And then, you know, if he does transfer, you know, John Calipari is going to have great things to say about him or something at the end of the year. But we should also add that we don't know that he's going to transfer. Yeah, that's a good point, too. But the cynical side of me... Is it better for John Calipari that he came back, or is it better for Cameron Fletcher, Cameron Fletcher that he came back? Uh, like you said, it would have been a bad look to send a kid home and then him just never come back. Yeah. It, and he's played him one minute since he came back, so I don't think he ever really planned to use him. No. and that, and that I, I don't want to sit here and just assume, but I'm just looking at all the guys they have on the roster. If, if Cameron Fletcher decides to come back, then I'm actually starting to think that Cameron Fletcher could just maybe see potential for like a year three, being where he gets some because it's a look that's a tough doghouse to get out of. I mean, com- considering that you got sent home, got brought back, and then they only put you in because he probably felt like it was an emergency option at Missouri, and then you still only played a minute. Yeah, like the situation just doesn't look good. Yeah, I'm that's a, another thing I should who, say. I don't I don't know if he's going to leave or not. Like you mentioned, no. But, we're, uh, it's just it's just easy to look at it and kind of say, hey, that that's probably the one to watch. Yeah, I mean, he's not really played at all <laughs> this season since that. I mean, he had a good first game. He was the guy I wrote about after the first game of the season. That was Fletcher. Then he's steadily not really played at all. Had the yeah, he just ran down what all happened. But uh, so who do you think it was better for him or Cal? Both maybe. Both yeah, both yeah. Like it worked I, out. I think it's good for him if he if he came back and. Because you can at least spend, you know, he came back, was a good teammate, did all that. But Cal, I mean, Cal took some heat for how he handled that. I mean, he got ripped by some of the national media guys for. I do have a prediction for where he ends up if, if, if it ever does enter the portal. I won't, I won't say that now. I'll wait until it goes. But I, I have a prediction that I have no info in. But I'm just making <laughs> connections. I think I've told it to you before. Uh, but maybe. maybe I hope I hope Fletcher is at Kentucky, obviously. I mean, you don't want to see any kids leave, especially when we're sitting here talking about needing to retain rosters and some yeah. continuity and stuff. I mean, obviously. I would say we haven't really seen, like, all that he can do either. I mean, I think he maybe touched on his potential a tad bit, but with the fact that you know, he just didn't play a whole lot this year. Maybe it was other things that caused him not to play more than just his actual skills. I think we can probably deduce that and say that's what it is, a lot of it. But, uh, 
Regardless, I mean, yeah, big offseason for him, for sure. Our next question comes from BZ, a.k.a. 606 by God, Burke Franklin. What percentage? We had to give that shout out, right? That's supposed to be at six oh six. What percentage chance would y'all give UK to make the tourney if they won out until SEC title game, but drop that game for the auto bid? Fourteen and fourteen, if my math is right. Joe Lenardi said they'd have to restart the season. Would be their only way. Did you see that he said that today when somebody asked him what their path to the tournament would be? It. I don't think they would get in. But then again, how many teams do we look at here in a couple of weeks, Derek, that are in the NCAA tournament that COVID kind of strikes and they don't get to participate? What does the committee do then if Kentucky's playing well and they lose in the title game of the SEC tournament, which would then be that they won 9 out of 10 to close the year? First of all, I want to send my condolences to, to BZ. I saw on Twitter he took a spill this morning at his parents' house walking down the stairs, so I hope he's doing okay. Uh, with that said, um, yeah, the percent's got to be low. Uh, I mean, I think he would agree on that too. But So, do you, I thought, don't you have to have a winning record, or can you get in with a 500 record? I mean, I'm sure you're – I don't know if that's ever happened. I mean, most teams, like, even, like, am I wrong? Like, most teams. After somebody won their league tournament, like Monmouth or something, yeah, yeah, something yeah. crazy, like 13 and 18. Uh, Actually, like, a more fun question would probably be if UK does win the SEC tournament, like, what will their seed be? Ooh. With, I don't know. Let's, let's answer Burks first. I mean, like, probably not looking good. I mean, they would maybe they would at least get some conversation, but, yeah, I doubt they're going to get in. Because my, my understanding, and this is not a normal year by any means, but, like, aren't a lot of teams, like, I mean, I think, both years that Kentucky went to the NIT with Billy G and then, uh, of course, Cal in 2013, both those teams won over 20 games, right? They were like 2010-ish, like in that range. I don't know. It wasn't exactly the record. but Yeah, somebody, one of them got the 22-23 wins, I think. Yeah, and still didn't get in. So, like, this team, yeah, I would say basically no chance. But if they did win the SEC tournament and they were, I don't know what the record would be, but would they be the scariest 14 seed in the history of college basketball? <laughs> Do you think they'd be that low? I would if it's a Power them, 5 school, I would guess they'd put it uh, higher than that. You know you know what game they'd put them in? Can you put, put it in? higher than, like, 13, though? Like, would you put them at 12? You know, I mean, what game they'd, you know what game they'd put them in? Oval? They'd put them in one of those play-in games in Dayton. Oh, yeah, we got to win one. To they would. Actually because yeah. can you imagine Kentucky playing on the first four, what it would do to the TV? Ratings. Oh, man. And, and ratings, if you can get a, a team like that in there. And the, you know the other side of that is Tennessee played in one of those games and got all the way to the Sweet 16, almost to the Elite Eight one year. So uh, yeah, had they beaten Michigan, they would have played Kentucky. I yeah. believe it was the same year. So, so just uh, it's literally just find a way to get in. What their lowest seed that I remember them having was Billy Gillespie's first year. What it was a double digit seed. They played Marquette. Was that 11 versus six? If I'm not mistaken. Kentucky. I that, yeah, I think that was yeah. 2007. That's when the the Joe Crawford or Mel Bradley. Season. Oh wait, yeah, oh seven, oh eight. Season. Yeah, oh seven, oh eight. Um, yeah, that that is an interesting topic that we'll obviously get into as we move forward with that. I'm making sure that we don't have any more basketball. Oh, right here. Uh, comes from back to Final Four, showing up in the mailbag every week. How does UK finish out its uh, basketball recruiting class, most to least likely? thinks as always uh it's tough right i don't really we don't really know how many of these guys are actual options for kentucky i i, I think they only at most Derek. maybe i'm wrong 
I think they only are going to add at least one more high school player. I don't think that they'll add two. I think that the transfer market's probably the better. Honestly, I could see them not landing a high school kid at all and going transfer market for across the board. If if they don't take Podzimski and they don't get kills, who else are they going to get? Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I, I would probably go as far as say it might even be kills or bust for the high school ranks. I mean, I don't know if again, like I said earlier, I think if you got kills, you might still go to the transfer portal. But if you couldn't get kills, I think you would look at some options, like multiple options in the portal before you would think about taking Podzimski. I'm going to guess Podzimski ends up elsewhere. Like I would put, I don't know what percent, like a pretty high percentage that he doesn't end up at UK. I think there are still questions on UK's end on how he would fit in here, if he would be good enough um, early enough to play. Um, and again, like if you look at his final list, one of those schools is not like the other, right? I think we can all agree on that. Exactly. Illinois is a solid team. Like a lot of those programs are, are solid to average. I mean, Vanderbilt and Wake Forest are pretty average programs, but um, Illinois and Miami is kind of bad. Vanderbilt. I think they'd be a good fit for him, playing with Scottie Pippen and some of those guys down there, guys who could set him up to, to shoot the ball well. I mean, he'd be a good guy who can develop. I mean, I, I don't see him really as a fit at Kentucky at this point. So it's hard to say. Like, I would guess multiple, multiple. I mean, if, if not kills, I would guess at least two transfers. But I, don't, I couldn't tell you right now who those guys would be. Matter of fact, they're probably not even in the portal right now. No. Uh, this is going to be your favorite question. And when I saw it last night, I said, I meant, I meant to screenshot it and send it to you to let you start thinking about it. But now I was like, no, I'm going to put him on the spot with this one because uh-huh. it's, a, it's a really good one. Who would This comes from Shane. Who would you rather take a shot? Tyler Eulis with the shot clock winding down or Malik Monk completely smothered by a North Carolina defender? Like it's it's really interesting, right? Because how many times did Tyler Eulis just dis, dis, disgusted with the way the offense was going? Throw up a thirty footer during <laughs> yeah. it, two thousand sixteen. I remember the one against Louisville. I remember the one against South Carolina where he just completely coached coached the team after Cal yeah. rejected. And then I was like, but even but then you can even go Malik Monk. Like had he, let's talk about like if Kentucky had won that game against North Carolina, the shot that he hit to tie the game on top of the shot that he hit to win the regular season game, like, that dude would have gone down in, like, history. Like, North Carolina fans would have hated him for, like, the rest of time. That's a fun question. Who asked that? Uh, Shane Marks. Shane Marks. Fun question, Shane. I like hearing that one. I'm going to go – I'm going to go Malik Monk. I'll take Gillison just to balance it out. I mean, I can remember, like, it's been a few years now since that team played, but I just, like, I can remember talking with some buddies that, like, the offense wouldn't be doing much, and Elis would just get it with, like, nothing to do but shoot it from three and just drain really? it. Like, yell at somebody after that he had to take a shot like that. Um, but, no, Monk was, Monk was awesome. I mean, he was, in terms of just, like, pure entertainment value, man, what a run that they had on guards there for a while. I mean, you, you had Elis and Murray followed up by Fox and um, Monk. And then Shay, I mean, Shay in his own right has become a great NBA yeah, player Shea, as well. Shay was fantastic. So, you go, yeah, you go back to Hero and all those guys. And that, I, I want to hear from Shane on this because I had a friend, I want to give my buddy a shout out, Anthony Crawford. He uh, he worked with me at the Catsballs for a little bit. He's in uh, he's in law school now at the University of Louisville. Um, he used to use the phrase like he would trust his life with the Trey Lyles mid range jumper. <laughs> and I mean, it's just Money. spot on. I want to hear from Shane if you would trust your life with a. Uh, 
Trey Lyles, mid-range jumper. Could, and could Jacob Topping get to that point eventually in his career at UK? Curling off these screens, like knocking down free throw line jumpers. And and baseline 15-footer. Yeah, I can he, see it. I mean, he, he, certainly, he certainly locks it. So, I mean, it, uh, that's that's a really good question, Shane. Uh, I really like that. We we love those questions that make us kind of think. And that's very creative because that, that's awesome. Uh, next question, we move move on to football here. Comes from Dylan. I see that Kentucky has reached out to Alabama transfer uh, Ben Davis, number 10 player in the country coming out of high school, but a career total of only six tackles. Am I missing something because I don't understand some people's excitement about a possible transfer to UK? I'll let you cover that, Derek. Is it just the potential and maybe like the how highly rated that Davis Davis was out of high school that you just don't get numbers like that? Uh, well, hard to say without ever. I've never watched this kid play. I didn't really know about him either until he went into the portal. My understanding, at least from UK's end, is they're kind of just feeling it out. Like I don't, I don't, I don't know where UK is on Davis's list, and I don't really know where Davis is in terms of. I, I, I would say I think Kentucky is pretty limited on options right now in the transfer portal, and they probably won't have another spark until after spring practice when a, a new round of players goes in. My guess. And maybe this isn't fair. Like I said, I've never watched the kid play. My guess is if you were at Alabama for five years or whatever it was and he only had six tackles, like, I get that there are tons of great players who go there. But my guess is the attention he's getting is solely based on what people thought he might be out of high school. Yeah. And I'm not saying UK shouldn't take that risk. I would say, though, wherever he goes, I would be very cautious that because you can look at the high school ranking, but then you got to look at college production and it's there's not much there. To show for, and I know, like I said, I know it's Alabama. You've got NFL guys in front of you at all times, but you got to think. I mean, eventually your time would have come, right? If you were good enough. So and Lucas Lucas Witt had the exact same question, uh, talking about you know the transfer uh, Ben Davis from Alabama. So Lucas, we hope that we answered your question with that one too. And thanks for thanks for submitting another one to the mailbag. Uh, sticking on football, I think this might be our last question. This comes from Walker. Derek, uh, any football recruiting news? Um, nothing too much, I would say, right now. Um, I will say hearing really good things, in terms, which I've been on this train a long time, but I, I would think I feel pretty good that Travion Longmire from Corbin will be in this class. 606. I can't say exactly because I don't know. I mean, I'm trying to think. I, I think I'll say this: he had planned to wait to commit till after his somewhere like either before his senior football season began or right after. I will say now, I believe that he will commit well before then. I'm thinking sometime this summer, maybe even a little sooner, maybe sometime in the spring. And I know that that's not a a very specific time. I, I, what I would say is that it's going to be sooner than originally planned. Is is the last that I heard. Things still look good for Gavin Wimsett. Uh, I would say the quarterback they offer from Ohio, Drew Allar. I really don't know how to say his name. It's either Allar or Aller or something like that. Um, he's shot up our rankings at 24-7. He's top 100 player now. Don't think that's going to happen. Uh, I think they're pretty much all in on Gavin Wimsett. And things look good there. Uh, but, you know, some of these guys, there's not been a ton of movement. I'm going to guess a lot of them will wait until, I believe, June 1st now. is That's the plan. I mean, the dead period goes through there, but I think the plan is to, to phase it to where kids can get out and visit some schools. 
you might have a lot of kids wait until then. Um, but on Jeremiah Caldwell, he's committed already, a four-star kid. Uh, Michigan State offered him. From what I heard, he didn't really waver at all on that. I talked to our regional rider who actually lives in Michigan, and he said he would be surprised if he entertained that offer. So things could change with recruiting, but things look good for him. I mean, I think they're in on a, on a lot of good players, but in terms of immediate commitments, from what I've heard and people I've talked to, I don't see anything happening immediately. But I would say I still think this could be uh, their best class yet. Yeah, definitely exciting times around the football program. Uh, the basketball program finally building some momentum. We'll see how that kind of wraps up. Derek, their season could it could end in the next week and a half. I mean, we don't know the next two weeks. Uh, exactly two weeks from probably today is a possibility. Um, what well, we'll see exactly what happens with that. But it's been a another successful mailbag episode of Kentucky Daily. As always, we appreciate you all submitting questions to the mailbag, and then. Uh, We'll continue to to do this episode, Derek. You got something else to add, real quick? Yeah, real quick. Uh, posted it this afternoon. I had heard this happen on Tuesday, but for you fans who like UK baseball or just people who care about UK programs in general, uh, I was told Nick Mingione signed a three-year extension that will keep him in Lexington until 2025. I don't I haven't seen the details yet. Uh, I'm very curious to see them when they do come out. It's not been updated yet at the by the Office of Legal Counsel, but I'm told it's signed. Probably at this point, just waiting on a president's signature, but uh, that's something to keep in mind today as you um, as you operate throughout your day. That uh, some people thought this would be a kind of a prove it year for him, but he only had one year left on his contract anyway through 2022, and Mitch has gone ahead and, and extended that to 2025. But like I said, I'd like to see the details before saying too much more. Yeah, and you can access that story. Derek has it on his Twitter account. And it's on uh, thecatspaws.com, too, right, Derek? Everything yes. yep. there. So, yeah, you can you can find all that information. Like I said, nobody's better on the baseball beat than Derek Terry. And uh, we're glad that we were able to get on here and have another mailbag episode. We have some things possibly in the works for Kentucky Daily that are pretty cool that we're going to update you about, hopefully, in the near future. Right, Derek? We're just continuing to oh, yeah. wait patiently. Uh, but we have some really cool stuff coming, re- regardless of – whether this works out or not. We we love the direction that Kentucky Daily is going. Thank you all so much for continuing to listen, and we will be back next time to recap exactly what happens at Rupp Arena tomorrow afternoon. I actually get to make my return appearance to Rupp Arena now that I'm out of uh, uh, quarantine and recovered from COVID and everything, so I'm excited to get back out there, Derek. So I look forward to seeing you out there tomorrow, and uh, we'll be back to recap whatever happens. He's Derek Terry. I'm Sean Smith. We'll catch you next time on Kentucky Daily. 